right. Hello and welcome to Rock and Roll Film Club, a podcast about music biopics. I'm Kathleen Mahoney. I'm Ryan Major. And today we're talking about Love and Mercy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I love the colorful clothes she wears and the way the sunlight plays upon her head. Love and Mercy came out in 2014 and is about the life of Brian Wilson. I think this might be the most recent movie we've covered. Is that? Is that uh, uh, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Um, it stars Paul Dano and John Cusack as Brian Wilson in the 60s and 80s, respectively. Elizabeth Banks as Wilson's girlfriend, Melinda, and Paul Giamatti as his psychotherapist and legal guardian, Jean Landy. And today on the podcast, we have our friend, Evelyn Pope. Hello, Hi. Evelyn. Howdy. Ooh, I um, see Evelyn's guys. current band is The Frisians, and she and I used to play in a band called Brookside Manor, and yep. has been in lots of other great musical projects. Thank you for joining me, Evelyn. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to discuss today's movie. I know, I know. Yeah, had you guys seen this movie before? Um, I did when it first came out. And I, you know, approached it with trepidation because, (laughs) you know, how do you you tell this story? But I was actually really impressed. Um, The second viewing, maybe not so much (laughs) as we will discuss later. But overall, you know, I liked it. How about you guys? Um, I, I saw it in, I saw it at the Kendall Square Cinema in June 2014 on a Sunday afternoon. I just come back from a business trip to Montreal. Uh, Great. Um, yes, I, I, I felt kind of similar, Evelyn, but uh, what I think what really stuck with me and what I really enjoyed and what I remembered most was some of the great studio scenes and absolutely yeah. i thought they did an amazing job yeah some of the things that weren't as good i had kind of forgotten about but they came they came back to me me too, me too. <laughs> yeah um i guess by way of introduction it's always funny like introducing the artists that are super famous like brian wilson but he's obviously the co-founder of the beach boys and as this movie kind of shows, he's one of the first pop artists who really, you know, wrote, arranged, produced, mm-hmm. and performed his own material, and just kind of was masterful at all of those things. And he formed the band with his brothers, Dennis and Carl, their cousin, Mike Love, who we will surely oh, talk yes. about, um, and their friend, Al Jardine. Um, and he had a nervous breakdown in 1964, which is kind of one half of this movie, um, looking at that time when he was working on Pet Sounds. Wait, I'm and- sorry, what's your um 64 no that seems too early i agree i think it's uh, 67 okay that sounds that sounds right i think he went through a few nervous breakdowns actually (laughs) maybe that uh at the beginning when we have a panic attack playing that could have been six actually yeah no i think think that that was was early i think that was the first nervous breakdown that led to him not touring anymore and then he had subsequent nervous breakdowns unfortunately Bruce Johnston. Yes, the introduction of Bruce Johnston, who doesn't really get much of an introduction. No. I uh, I kind of had trouble keeping Dennis and Carl straight at first, but... Me too. But you know what? I think they were both good. Yeah, and this movie does did like that really funny, like overly obvious exposition where there was a lot of, of like, course. how are you feeling, brother? And it's yes. like, when have, has a sibling ever referred to their <gasps> brother as How Blaine, how about when he comes in, he's, he's like, you know, Brian, me, Hal Blaine, and other <laughs> musicians like okay, and Dr. Larry Nectil, colloquially, colloquially known as the Wrecking Crew. Yes, yes, he's total. Buddy from Bill Spector, to Jesus Christ, but you're the best, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, that that's sort of like the rock and roll biopic trope, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, the there over, has to be a because, lot of shorthand. Yes, yeah. totally. That, that was like one of the only like real like walk hard type moments in the movie. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure, sort of the over explanation of what uh, studio musicians do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so 
this is going to be kind of a, not a struggle to talk about, but so this movie is like really two movies in one. Exactly. <laughs> so we have the 60s Maybe. Brian Wilson depicted by Paul Dano and then the mm-hmm. 80s Brian Wilson played by John Cusack. And it kind of is constantly like alternating between the two and like the parallel, I guess, is like mental illness and like these like intense moments of mental illness in his life, I guess. Um, right. And looking at like the the dark figures who sort of um exacerbated that for him like his dad um early in his life and then in the 80s this psychotic manipulative um uh therapist who he was working with but yeah do you guys think we should talk about maybe like the paul dano stuff and then the john cusack stuff separately sure let's yeah let's start (laughs) because you know it's it's more fun it's better and i think there's more of it yeah i agree i agree i was really impressed i don't really know paul dano i mean i don't i hadn't really seen him in other projects and talked about he's he's great he's He's really great. great and i think he was singing and playing the piano, which is always so important to really be able to play the instrument totally. again. Yeah. The, the biopic, not yeah. knowing how to hold the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was reading he, um, yeah, he did learn the piano and a lot of that is his singing. Obviously there are times when they're, you know, just like lip syncing to the studio recordings. Sure. But, um, he plays God Only Knows for his absolute horrible father. Yes. Oh my God. So great singing, really great interesting. Singing, good singing and uh, bad dad. Bad dad. Bad dad. So, Paul Dano, I was so impressed. And yeah. I thought he captured the innocence. And he, you know, so heartbreaking to see him. Um, and he looks a lot like him, too. He looks a lot like him. Helps. He had got the manners and mannerisms. And boyish. Yeah. It was a great wig. I don't know <laughs> if it's ask you guys must after watching so many movies must have like a wig hall of fame now <laughs> that is a with, great know? idea we've talked about wigs a lot on this podcast. Well, I was actually really impressed i do have a, a couple notes on wigs in my notes here but um i thought paul dan great wigs i thought paul giamatti had you know like bad wigs but in an effective way yes <laughs> great and melinda's wig Kind of, yeah, that was, Great 80s. I don't know, yeah. very 80s, took me, took me out and for sure. Before we, st- we started recording, Evelyn and I were talking about John Cusack's hair in this movie, which is very bad. Not a wig. It's not a wig, <laughs> though. It, it took me out of it with the just terrible hair dye. It's just, it wasn't, Yeah. it wasn't Brian. Yeah. I mean, suspension of disbelief is a big thing, but I also had a really hard time reconciling Paul Dano turning into John Cusack in what, 18 years? Right. <laughs> so my question is, why didn't they just keep Paul Dano? I, I don't, I, I still yeah, don't I was, understand. Yeah, I was reading about this a little bit. And I mean, I think the intent was just to show how he really transformed as a person and became this like shell of a man in the 80s. But it sure. didn't really work. It wasn't like you know, the movie I'm Not There, which we hope to cover sometime, the Bob Dylan biopic where... Right, right, with all the Yeah, actors. where it's like intentionally yeah. trying to show like the many different sides and public sides of Bob Dylan. But with this movie, with just like two actors playing him, yeah, and not that... One good, one kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, and not only two actors, one... I mean, John Cusack is a personality, you know, it's just he's, he's sort of like a Jack Nicholson in a weird yeah. way, just his mannerisms. Like, he just didn't convince me as Brian Wilson. Totally. Um, Part of my... I have kind of... I have kind of a John Cusack problem. Like, I like... Say, so do I. I like a lot of... I like, you know, stuff from the 80s stuff, but I do feel like John Cusack thinks that he's a lot more likable or relatable than I find him to be. (laughs) Absolutely. And it just, yeah. And because of that, it didn't, it just didn't work for me as a Brian Wilson. Totally. Yeah. He's, you never forget that you're looking at John Cusack. Like he seems the same as he did in High Fidelity and, um, when you see Paul Dano back in the studio and you feel like you're watching footage from the time, it's, I agree. Yeah. They did a great job recreating, like to go back to the whole sessions. I think they did, you know, they really just, the, the, the attention to detail I thought was really great. And I was wondering, um, you know, I was listening to your podcast about the Buddy Holly and how, you know, there were instruments that hadn't been yeah. developed yet. And I, I didn't see that 
in the in the early Brian Wilson. I was um, amazed with the studio scenes. I wasn't weren't they beautiful? Like just the the yeah the pianos, the you know the sound recording equipment. Um, yeah, I thought they did a great job with the with like Carol Kay. I thought whoever played Carol Kay did a really great. <laughs> She's great with those cat eye glasses. Why isn't there a biopic about her? Like, when's that happening? That is a great I, question. I, I, to get a wider recognition. People will be like, how come I've never heard of Carol Kay? Exactly. But I feel like there's been, like, a lot of attention. I mean, there was, like, that Wrecking Crew documentary not long ago. It's great. Yeah, so I feel yeah. like she's, like, kind of climbed into the public consciousness more recently. Right. One of their kids, though. What's that? Well, that Wrecking Crew doc was made by uh, one of. Oh right. Yeah. Yes, the guitar player. And it took player, like forever to get like name. financed, I think. But then it came yeah. out. So. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scenes. I feel like that was kind of the heart of the movie. That's where we see Brian in his element, and that you understand that he's a genius, not just somebody who's really difficult and uh, suffering from mental illness. Yeah. Right. right. I think that whole piece of the movie the whole like Paul Dano half of the movie like was just framed really well in terms of you know it starts right when he has this again nervous breakdown that kind of mm -hmm. leads him to stop touring so it's like really just the beginning of him being in the studio all the time and like thriving in that atmosphere at one point the idea of using the studio as an instrument at one point he says uh that he's playing the studio yeah uh, mm -hmm. and yeah it, it's like you can hear Beach Boys records and they still sound crazy and futuristic and whimsical and like a little bit square. Uh, and then when you see everything that goes into it, it's you do want to see how the sausage is made. Totally. Yes, it's amazing. And how small it is and everyone's on top of each other playing. That's another great. And you're so right. Um, Brian's in his element, and he's not crazy. Brian, he, he's he's directing it. He's 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 uh, controlling it, and everyone respects him except the for Mike Love. <laughs> <laughs> One of I feel like there's so many nem like Mike Love is also like the another nemesis. Uh, Mike of, Love, there's Gene, and there's the father. Dad, yeah, Murray. <laughs> yes, for sure. So I think that was accurate because I guess Mike, you know, Mike in the Beach Boy fan universe, especially Brian Wilson fans, uh, Mike Love is kind of hated villain. because oh, he was just... Sucks. <laughs> yeah, he does. He was so mean. the worst American we have. Yeah, Brian, just shortly before we started recording, sent me a couple of videos of um, Mike Love on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, and then also the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame acceptance appalling. in the 80s. Appalling. Appalling. Made my skin yes, crawl. Famous. He's just cartoonishly arrogant. I, exactly. And so that's the yin and yang of the Beach Boys. And it's always been, you know, Brian Wilson against Mike Love. You know? I also, I thought that the actor, I don't know who it was, but the guy they had to play Mike Love, not only did he look like him, I thought he did a really good job of somebody who was like self-righteous and frustrated and had been in for a long time with his cousin and like, you know, he's wrong when he's like, oh, we should get back to Cara's son fun and everything. Exactly. Like, I thought that he played that frustration in a very real way where we look at him and think he's a dick, but, you know, he thinks he's correct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, he was really good. I kind of wish, you know, they had given a little more meat to the, the brothers, you know, Carl and Dennis, especially, you know, Dennis Wilson is, again, another, like, huge figure in the whole Beach Boys totally. myth. A Dennis Wilson biopic just on his, like, last couple of years. I think they were going to, and I feel like I just read that it was mixed, oh, really? that they were going to do it. Um, and there was, it was in production. I'm not sure what happened. And I don't even know who they had cast as Dennis Wilson, which would be interesting. Yeah. I know. I just saw this movie a couple months ago called Tulane Blacktop. Yes, yes. With James <laughs> Taylor. James Taylor and Dennis Wilson and just this almost like... It's like a rambling road movie. Yeah. Yes. Um, very small movie. That's actually, it's pretty good. It's pretty, it's another time capsule. Yeah. But, but Dennis Wilson has got so much charisma. Like he should have been a huge star in the 70s, but he, he had his own demons too. Yeah. At, the, at one point, they had, you know, 
like legally binding agreements where they're like, it's like Dennis Wilson is not allowed to appear on stage (laughs) unless he is sober and fully clothed. Wow. And not behind the drums. Like they would have me stick him behind the keyboard. You know? I did not know that. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, well, so he, he had a hand injury at one point. They, they brought in uh, Ricky Fatar from the Ruddles, which I think. That's right. Bonza Dog Band, which we'll probably talk about at some point. But um, great drummer. I love 70s Beach Boys. Also. I love 70s Sail on Sailor. They got Blondie. So Kaplan, yeah. Bonnie Chaplin. They got, there's so many weird just when Brian Wilson left, he was still writing. So they got these two guys, Ricky Fatar and Blondie Chaplin, who were from South Africa. Yeah. And they toured with them and they made a record in Holland. You know, they just did so, this is another thing. Is people don't realize the, the, the depth of, of Beach Boys um, recordings and songs. And they did so much stuff. And I guess they even had a disco song. Oh, really? <laughs> Bill was telling me about, yes. That's like, I mean... Since the Beach Boys legacy isn't as like neatly contained because there's like no clean endpoint the way yeah. you get with mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. we kind of like you know we we think of Kokomo, we think of the striped shirts and like fun, fun, fun. We, exactly. The uh, we think of, we don't think about like the like when they like their countercultural period where they uh, got a new manager and was like, it's cool guys, just wear your hair long, grow your beards out and take drugs. And they put out records like Surf's Up and Holland and stuff. And that shit's great. It's really great. And what about their association with Charlie Manson too? Oh, yeah. That's another like weird uh, footnote. Totally. To, I mean, that was part Beach of Boys. Dennis Wilson's decline was kind of his, uh, the parasitic Her- relationship that, the Manson family kind of formed with him. Right. Yeah. So there's, it's, it's, you know, you can make five movies about yeah. Brian Wilson because there's just so many weird. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we look at the 60s and like good clean fun, but then we think like late 60s and like LSD, then mm-hmm. the 80s and like Nancy Reagan's having them play at the White House. It's right. like the history of, of California in one band. It's amazing. Yeah. With all the it is weirdness amazing. and tragedy and kind of under the guise of sunshine. Um, but we digress. We digress. We digress. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about you can, there's so many yeah. little digressions <laughs> with the Beach Boys. And we welcome, we welcome digressions. But, um, yes. but yeah, so yes. the movie kind of starts again with um, Brian Wilson having this breakdown and really kind of spending a lot of time in the studio. And for like a good chunk of that Paul Dano part, most of the band or the band is on tour and it's just him with the session musicians in the studio. I, I have a note from around this time in the movie just says uh, knitwear. Yes, great knitwear oh, no. and then great uh, jumping to the 80s part. I, I, I just couldn't take my off, eyes off Melinda's sweaters yeah. and then Eugene Landy had some great sweaters too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very good with the period period clothes. I wasn't even sure, like, I didn't read that much about the movie going into it, so I didn't know what mm-hmm. what the John Cusack era was, but it was just like, oh, look at those shoulder pads. We are yeah. definitely in the yes. 80s. I think, it's, I think it's late 80s for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, okay, so we start to see uh, Brian's mental state start to uh, right. come on a little bit, but we also see him indulging in more sonic experimentation with mixed results. We see that maybe it's starting to take a toll in his home life when uh, he has a grand piano and a sandbox. Right. Yeah, I think that's after Pet Sounds comes out and you can see that the fact that it wasn't immediately a success is haunting him. Um, And that's, yeah, kind of exacerbates his, his decline. But then we see where there is like kind of a turning point in their career in the 60s is he spends all this insane time and energy recording good vibrations and right. mind over it. And 
in some more very expository dialogue, they're like, congratulations on your top selling single. <laughs> well, that is the trope to end all tropes. I mean, is, you know, like the writing of the hit song and, hey, you have any lyrics, man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wife also says, like, takes something like from uh, from a review. It's like, Teenage Bucket Symphony to God or whatever. Yes. Also, <laughs> so they had to do that. Looks yeah. like 15 years old. Did you notice that? I also feel like he got short shrift because Van Dyke Parks is really is really important in the whole Beach Boys history and is very very has such indie cred and he only gets one little introduction. Yeah. Hey Van, what are you working on with Brian? And then a little bit later during the whole like oh, like hilarious but alarming band meeting scene. The breakdown in the pool. Yes. Also, side note, a guest on this very podcast who i will not name it's not the one you might think has a personal relationship with van dyke parks and uh is in communication with him on the regular what i think he's yeah i think feel like he he knows a lot of younger musicians um, and uh can i guess is is in there is it amin first off no secondly <laughs> the reason i didn't say his name is because i don't blow up anybody's you know personal relationships here okay well what a it's not a mean but i will tell you one time i mean met he's met al jardine bruce johnston david marks and told me one thing about no he, he didn't meet all of them but he met at least one of them one is a trump guy i think one's into vaping weed i don't know yeah i i did touch al jardine's horse one time um really yeah my where uh, my cousin was living in big sur and al jardine had a has a property like very close to his yes. and we kind of drove by and one of the horses was like right up against the fence and i thought you were gonna I say that horse <laughs> what's that what are you gonna say you touched al jardine's leg or <laughs> Again, there's barely a mention of Al Jardine. I don't know. Does does Al even get a line? I in, don't uh... think Al has a single line. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, they mention his name, like they acknowledge yeah. that he's <laughs> he's there. But you, you know who does make an impression is uh, I want to say actor Bill Camp. I think is. Oh, he's great. Who plays Man, he really like throws this. He nailed it. Just a couple scenes. Um, yeah. We talked about the scene where Brian plays him God Only Knows and he's dismissive of it. But then later we also mm -hmm. see him show up at the studio and we see that it's not just Brian, but Carl and Dennis also. Like, they call him sir and snap to attention immediately. Like, they hug Brian, but they shake their father's hand. Yeah, yeah. But A great, another weird, dark aspect to the Beach Boys was the, you know, the abusive Svengali dad. Right. Who later gets fired and who later who wants his own career and is so jealous of his boys, especially Brian. And I sent, have you, Brian, have you heard, um, Brian, I am a genius Two tapes. Um, uh, I just listened to, I just to him. but no, I had not, but man, oh. which is, I know talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Evelyn sent this to me. It's a recording of help me Rhonda and, um, Murray, the dad is in the studio and just he's drunk. Yeah. Like torturing his, sons by you know telling them that it's no good and uh they're flatting and deer you're flatting deer like really weird <laughs> calling his sons deer yeah. and it's really creepy oh. <laughs> lot, a lot of bad showbiz dads you know he, he's up there for sure joe jackson joe he's jackson mm -hmm. um the shag's dad he's pretty much a uh, you know absentee father but uh john lennon's Dad put out an album in like 1966. Oh really? yeah, I think there's definitely a trend of of dads. Yeah, like wanting doing albums. I think it's the thing where they, you know, channel their own frustrated ambition into like their kids, and then when their kids actually do get successful, it like drives them even more crazy. Sure, and you're in Cal, you're in L.A. too, where everyone's a star, trying to be a star. Yeah. Um, Brian actually, or the Beach Boys actually put out a song on one of their albums called I'm Bugged at My Old Man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that. <laughs> also, it really changes in my room, too. That makes it. I know. It's yeah. dark. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like there's like such, again, with the Beach Boys, there's such darkness behind like these sunny, simple lyrics, especially with the early stuff. Um, mm -hmm. 
I think Brian was always trying to find that father figure and Eugene Landy definitely yes. filled that void. And he had a lot of problems with these strong men, you know, Mike Love and, and his dad. And I, I was reading the IDMB page and they said they had cut out a scene where um, Brian meets Phil Spector. And I know Phil, like Phil Spector was also like this sort of weird guy in Brian's loomed life. Large, kind of yeah. Loomed large and sort of also maybe contributed to one of his breakdowns. Apparently he became really obsessed with his Phil Spector's um, Be My Baby and listened to it constantly and thought Phil Spector was trying to like possess him and talk to him through the music. I'll play him again. <laughs> yes, exactly. So Brian definitely has like weird things with, with sort of strong father figure yeah. type men. And I feel like the movie definitely makes that parallel. Like the dad mm -hmm. is definitely the analog to, um, or of, uh, Gene in the 80s. Yes. Yeah. Uh, should we uh, should we hop into the 80s magically? Uh, yeah. Sure. Oh, just one more thing about the 60s, just with Murray. There is this, you know, scene, one more scene with Murray where he he comes into the studio and just sort of like announces gleefully that he has sold all of the rights to the Beach Boys music for like $700,000. And then when Brian is obviously upset by this, he's just like, well, you know, you're not going to amount to anything anyways, and it's too late for you. And just all of this really terrible. Beat, Brian. <laughs> yeah, he's beat. <laughs> terrible. Very, very um, bad dad. Uh, very bad dad. Have we seen a worse dad in any of these movies yet, Kathleen? I, I don't think so. I think this is our worst, worst dad. dad. <laughs> yeah, worst dad award for yeah. sure. Murray Wilson. And it does. There, are, <laughs> like I, I do think it handles it well without actually showing the childhood. Um, you know, just kind of hinting at all of the violence and darkness from when mm -hmm. he was a kid. And um, yeah, Brian Wilson is like deaf in one ear, and there is some speculation that his dad it was from like a blow from his dad and right heavy stuff yeah very heavy well so here's my little theory here mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so i know we all certainly enjoyed the 60s portions with paul dano a lot more and it seems kind of weird and like it was brought in from a different movie all the john cusack 80s stuff i think the that they needed to use the story from that era because it was one of the only like like stories of redemption or like things that don't end in tragedy that happen in Brian's life. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so, both coming out of the control of Gene Landy and then also, yeah, meeting Melinda, who Melinda. he's still married to. <laughs> I never, uh, okay, so here's one thing. I thought at the beginning, and by the end, you know, I wasn't thinking about it as much, but I'm like, that was Melinda seeing this weird childlike. I know. <laughs> Why does she like him? Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, if he wasn't a beach boy and he came in and acted like that, or if he wasn't rich and acted like exactly. that. Exactly. Oh, God. Well, the thing that. is, maybe that's that was John Cusack's, you know, portrayal. You know, we don't see that vul vulnerability and, and sweetness. Right. My very first note says Cusack acts weird at Cadillac dealership. I feel like he's overselling it the whole time. <laughs> yep. hundred yeah. percent for sure. One thing that does work about this um, part though, is that Melinda is sort of like our proxy as, you know, the audience in terms of like right. encountering this guy that's so clearly like damaged and a shell of a man and trying to kind of figure out why or you know what the deal with this therapist is and so I guess that that works but yeah it is so not believable that she would be like smitten by this husk of a man well <laughs> about her being uh, the audience surrogate is I mean a large portion of people watching this movie myself included sell Cadillacs for a living so it was nice to be able to recognize yeah you know. very relatable very relatable right <laughs> so what happens so um so he looks bad and acts weird and we find out he's under the thumb of the villainous Dr. Gene Lanning. Yeah, and so they cannot be alone together. He accompanies them on their first date. That they go to a concert, and I couldn't figure out if that was supposed to be a real band or. Oh, it's the Moody Blues, oh, okay. I think, right? <laughs> <laughs> we 
just making... Kathleen, what are you doing? <laughs> How could I not realize that? Um, but yeah, Brian's like loving it. He's like, this is... Oh yeah, this for sure. Amazing. Um, but yeah, Gene is like sitting next to them and is kind of like, wait, what'd you guys say? The reveal that he brought uh, Paul Giamatti on the date. Also that it's yeah. Paul Giamatti. It's not just his villainous uh, therapist. It's like... No, it's it's definitely Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. <laughs> yeah, and I forget if we said this before we started recording or after, but um, we were talking about like the contrast in uh, Paul Giamatti's wild '80s wig and then John Cusack's just like normal hair, just you know. Hair. Right. That would be John Cusack's hair. Yeah. <laughs> I know it didn't even you know resemble Brian Wilson. Yeah, at all. At all. That's why they had to give uh, Paul Giamatti all those wild wigs and put him in like tennis whites every time we see <laughs> Yes, I know, and those great sweaters. Actually, there's, you know, it kind of started veering on kind of campiness. Definitely. I feel like there's some hysterical, like, Paul Giamatti scenery chewing, you know, like the Arnold Palmer scene. I know that was one of yeah. my <laughs> so The first time he asked for an Arnold Palmer, <laughs> oh, yeah, he says, like, will you make me an Arnold Palmer? And when he gets it and he's upset with it, I felt like that's classic Giamatti. That's <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Uh, he plays unhinged so well. Definitely, for so sure. Well. Um, yes. And so then there was a scene where Melinda goes to uh, Brian's house or like one of his houses that mm -hmm. he either shares with Gene or Gene lives next door. Um, but Gene is just around the whole time. And there's a scene that was basically taken verbatim from a Rolling Stone interview with Brian Wilson from the 70s where, you know, Brian in just like this very childlike way is like, I'm hungry, like I want food now. And they're just like, Gene is so cruel to him and denying mm -hmm. him uh, the food that's being prepared right in front of him. Yeah, that's, a, that's an uncomfortable scene to watch. Yeah. That is. Did you notice actually back in the Arnold Palmer scene, I um, there were locks on the cabinets, you know, to prevent Brian from oh, uh, breaking that. in. Yeah. Oh, I did not notice that. Yeah. But I guess, um, I mean, I, I've been reading more about Eugene, Eugene Landy, and I think he was, he was actually worse in real life to Brian. Um, at one point, like he got 25% of Brian's royalties or something crazy like that and put Brian in a rental house and lived in Brian's real Malibu house and, you know, all sorts of just, just crazy fraud yeah. that he committed also, the uh the conniving uh evil healthcare provider that's the thing that you only see in stories about entertainers i know i know yeah <laughs> have we had any of that yet i mean i guess a little bit the plastic surgeon in the yeah. liberace. liberace movie liberace uh, right? no i don't think we've seen it yet but i think we'll see it again yeah i mean i, I just uh, a couple months ago i read Jeff Tweedy's memoir, and there was even one in there. I was like, man, it's still, really? still going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it is like for, you know, these untouchable celebrities, it is a uniquely sort of vulnerable personal relationship that they have with their doctors, so. Yes. You know, substance abuse and mental health problems. There's also, there's a camp that uh, of fans I've also read who, who sort of attribute Eugene Landy for sort of helping Brian initially, like helping him lose weight. I guess Dr. Landy also got Brian's royalties back from Murray. Oh, wow. So he initially was really good, but again, I think I think Eugene Landy was like Murray. He wanted to be the star. He was like, I want to produce, I want to write with Brian. I want to become the rock star. And you know, yeah. he brainwashed Illusions him. of grandeur. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And we see that in the movie there, um is a scene where we like overhear uh, Gene just yelling at Brian to write, which how would that ever be effective? I don't know. <laughs> just, no. <laughs> write a song. Um, and I guess, I guess Eugene also wrote, ghost wrote his, um, Brian's biography, you know, 1991. Like there's just so much, so much shady stuff for sure. So totally during that period, cause I actually don't know, did, what was Brian's creative output? Well, I guess there was like, he, he came out with a, a solo album, his first, I think this is 1988. And he did a lot of press. And if you guys, there's like just so much weird stuff with Brian doing press for this album. 
and Eugene's always in the background and Brian just looks completely brainwashed. You know, he's just so like, just so hollow. So it's supposed to be this triumphant return, but it was really shadowed by Eugene for sure. There's like a really creepy um, clip of Eugene's like practically sitting in Brian's lap and he's got his arm around him and he's trying like, he's like talking for Brian and Brian, it just looks so out of it. I don't know, like the drugs he was on, really, really strange. Yeah. And I guess he convinced Brian to get like a facelift too. <laughs> like that's one thing. Oh my God. So it was slim, I know. Uh, really yeah, bizarre. it doesn't match the neck. With, with <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Wow. Well, have you guys ever seen Brian play live? Oh. It is a weird experience. No. It's, um, he doesn't look, he just doesn't look present. You know, he almost looks like a performing bear. Like, I don't know if his keyboard, he's always in front of a keyboard. I've seen him twice. And he just, he just, there is something off about it. I don't know how much he enjoys it now, even though he's free of Eugene Landy. He definitely has demons, you know. I have um, I have a, a friend who had a brief encounter with Brian Wilson uh, about 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. uh, my friend was working on, uh, you remember there was a documentary that came out around 2010 or so. It was called Do It Again. A journalist from the Boston Globe talked to various musicians about what was great about the kinks in an effort to try to get them back together. And the oh. last few talks too. No, I want yeah. to see it. Dave Davies after stroke, who also seemed cowed psychologically by his brother. But anyway, <laughs> Warren Wilson was interviewed for it. I don't know if, uh, if his portion actually made it in, but uh, my friend was an intern on the set and now uh, they mm -hmm. him and Brian's handler comes in and goes, okay, this is very important. We, you can interview him, but do not talk about the Beach Boys. Do not talk about his brothers. Do not talk about his cousin. We will get sued. And they're like, no problem. So they bring him in and he like sits down and he looks, you know, kind of scared. But um, mm -hmm. the first question is like, what would you think if the Kinks got back together? And immediately he's like, well, Take the Beach Boys. I mean, that'll never happen. My cousin hates me. <laughs> the handler was like, nope, stop the interview. <laughs> and they had to like plead to continue it. And during that time, I told that Brian just took his folding chair into the corner and just sat in the corner by himself. Yeah, that sounds, that oh. sounds par for the course. Yeah, there is something, I mean, I've seen him in interviews and like, the late 90s, like he's in that um, PBS rock and roll documentary that's so good, but there are a lot of interviews with mm -hmm. Brian and you can still you just tell, it's it's not like he just bounced back after this no, period no. of being drugged for a decade. I mean, and to go back to the movie, I felt like the ending that was really pat, like, oh, I'm going through epiphany, I'm going through, you know, yeah. I'm looking back at my life, oh, I'm free from Eugene Landy, wow. Great, Here don't I you want to you know? date me now? Um, yes, <laughs> I'm all better. <laughs> yeah, very pat. Because they're, you know, when you're dealing with like, things like mental health and substance abuse, you know, they're, you don't conquer it. Right. <laughs> And I feel like that happens. I mean, I kind of remember this when like Rokie Erickson started touring again, where everyone's like, he's back. And it's like, yeah. he's. Uh, Rocky didn't look great. He had, no. um, he had this band that they were, they were, uh, they seemed like kind of a weird fit, but I'm glad I got to see him at least. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. But yeah, like, like he'd strap a guitar on him and he would like play it for like one, two chords per song. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like Brian. I mean, I think up to COVID, Brian was still, you know, going out on tour. Like there'd be like constant farewell tour, or Pet Sounds, you know, 50th anniversary yeah. tour. And he just sure. Pet Sounds and Smile like a bunch. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And I'm like, why are you doing this? I mean, a lot of people think, well, what's weird is that people think that Melinda is like the new Eugene and, and making him tour and do all this stuff. I mean, I don't know the real story, but I, you know, he's a guy pushing 80. Why, why still do right. it? He doesn't, he doesn't look like he's enjoying it, but maybe he does, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what about retiring? Like the thing is, I feel like if you, you look at somebody's talent, like Brian Wilson, like 
Mm -hmm. That the type of like his great gift for like playing the studio and stuff that he can't even do that anymore. It's like the technology has changed, the aesthetic, exactly, instruments, sounds have changed. Like I understand where you can have like like a singer songwriter type, like continuing to like you know Bob Dylan been putting out albums since 1962. I get that because you can adapt it to like you can adapt his songs to like modern recording sensibility. Yeah. Like, whereas it's like you know you Brian can't he wouldn't be able to produce if you took him to a modern state of the art studio. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's this one shot near the end where we see uh, Brian Wilson walking and there is a extra in some sort of insanely like bright yellow, broad shoulders, like, like, I don't even know if this was real, but like very, very 80s style. And it's like a 10 second shot. Where oh, like, I know what you were talking about. I was like, who is this person? <laughs> like, what is she going Wait, where was this? <laughs> I, this? I, I think it must have been a model or something. <laughs> yeah. Was it towards the it end? It was towards the end when I'm he's like looking for Melinda, waiting for her to drive by. And he, yeah, it's a very weirdly long shot of one extra. He was channeling Rain Man. Like, I feel yeah. like he was just doing these. It's like, I don't know what was involved. Yeah. Avery, that would be really alarming if it wasn't from you know, somebody that we saw at his peak earlier. Right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and yeah, so the movie kind of ends with, well, Melinda tries to kind of rescue Brian from Jean's control and like mm -hmm. colludes with the um, housekeeper to get like documents, like Brian's will that has clearly been like, right. Jean has been written into it significantly mm -hmm. uh but you know still can't get him back gene like shows up in a very creepy scene where melinda and brian are just in a dark studio talking and then gene shows up on like the other side of the glass <laughs> yes that was also very camp, so campy <laughs> like a horror movie all of a sudden over the talk back mike i know yeah. <laughs> he like he, he arises like wizard of oz yeah <laughs> yes, with the wig and the sweater. I mean, amazing. Hey, man, I didn't know you felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much gaslighting from from Gene, but oh yeah, totally. I mean, Gene was a, it was the cult of Gene. You know, you guys have watched. I documentaries was just on saying to Ryan, I was like, I've, I've, been, I've been consuming a lot of cult content recently, but I was like, I yes. feel like he's a cult leader with a cult of one. Oh, totally. So I'm happy to hear you say I'm consuming a lot of cult content. <laughs> no, just this bit of cult content here and there. Yeah, it's time for me to be honest with myself about <laughs> the amount of cult content about, I'm right. taking in right now. <laughs> it's fascinating. I mean, again, it ties into Brian wanting that father figure or that figure and the whole LA thing. And there's just yeah. so much weirdness that goes on, you know, with cults and showbiz and, and Svengali's. It's, it's, uh, it's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, we say that we wouldn't fall. I mean, would we have fallen? I'll pray to under the I spell know. of Eugene Landy. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. can't say. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'd I like to know. think no, but I, like I mean, how have we mitigated what I be? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> right. You know, if he said he was going to produce your album, you know, would you say <laughs> you've turned him down? <laughs> um, what yeah. kind of medication do you think he was feeding? Oh, for him? Like a lot Psychotics, of Psychotics, tranquilizers. Yep. Antidepressants, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. You saw the jar. Yep, I know the jar. Like, come on, was the jar? The jar was just <laughs> was like, like one of those like five cent candy jars. Yeah, I really felt like the eighties part. Just, just it just sort of it just was like a lifetime movie to me. Yeah, it really absolutely. just like yeah. the Paul Dano part would one hundred percent work on its own as a movie, but the John Cusack section <laughs> would not. No, no, too too many cliches. The campiness, the you know, the the bottle of pills, and the exposition, the over, you know. Cold yeah. body is the only, was what made the eighties parts for me though. Just <laughs> I know he was great when he goes to confront uh, Melinda and just screams at her <laughs> like a minute. No, like, he was great. Uh, that's why. That's what you cast him for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, 
Well, there was one other scene that I really liked in the 60s part. Can we just edit it back in? The other um, well, you can just say it now. <laughs> Might be hard to edit it <laughs> seamlessly in. Well, the um, when we see that Brian's really in bad in a bad state and has a there's a band meeting, it's a little heavy handed when he's in the deep end of the pool struggling. Of course, but yeah. But some of the things he suggests are really funny. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, he suggests uh, they could make a children's TV show. And everybody mm-hmm. else is just looking at him like blank faced and horrified and increasingly like, you know, fat Brian struggling to keep his head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, yeah, in that scene too, he suggests making a, a Hawaiian chants album. I like where that was at, you know? Yeah, some good ideas. Big conceptual ideas, even if. Great ideas. Couldn't, uh, you know, turn into workable, manageable songs or albums. Yeah. No, he was so, Brian was so over the surf and sea and, and you know, party time. I really like that they, that we included that line in there when, uh, when Mike Love suggests they go back to surf themes. Uh, he's like, none of us surf, surfers don't even dig our music. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Carl's like, it's true. <laughs> yeah. I think I do recall hearing Dennis that Dennis did. actually did surf. Yeah. 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 Um, there's a fantastic, skit they actually i guess in they're like he so brian went through eugene twice like he 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 was a patient of, of his in the 70s and that's when you know he's really fat um and brian and the beach boys were actually on saturday night live and there's a skit of john belushi and dan Aykroyd going to brian's bed you know the famous bed rousing him up and saying you know, you're under arrest for, for false pretenses. You know, you say you surf. Well, you got to surf. <laughs> and they put poor Brian, like, in the surf. And he's, like, tumbling around and wiping out. It's really sad. But he actually, I mean, it's sort of funny at the same time. Yeah. So. I know. It's so interesting how much attention that was kind of getting as it was happening. Like, his yes. decline and waking and, like, being in bed forever. Yeah, the fact that it was, like, parodied while he was... I feel him. like that is a cliche. He went to bed for three years. Like, you ever heard that, like, rock stars? Like, yeah. yeah he'd be, he'd... I was just reading, too. There's, like, a, a Bare Naked Lady song called Brian Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, Lying yeah. in bed like Brian Wilson did. And I was just reading that he has covered that song, which is bananas. See, I think he, he's got a sense of humor about it. I mean, for sure. What did you guys think of the, the final scene where you see, the, like, the 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 different Brians, you know, in the bedroom? You know? It looked like it made me think of 2001. Exactly. That's what I read. You know, I mean, it was sort of a weird homage to 2001. And again, John Cusack ruins it. You know, they've got this beautiful song. (laughs) And I loved Paul Dano's the the different, um, you know, the different young, younger, and then sort of older. And then there's John and Ben. And again, it just... just, Yeah, I was reading too that um, Paul Dano and John Cusack did not interact at all during the the filming that which was intentional because they wanted the two characters to be so distinct but i just feel like it didn't work at all it didn't work at the end now <laughs> well you know what fortunately i feel like probably about 70 percent of the runtime is 60s brian or psychedelic montages so but i did feel it just the way that you know it skips back and forth in time i did distinctly remember feeling vaguely disappointed every time <laughs> So did I, Ryan. Like, my heart would sink because I was getting invested, like, oh, wow, I think they did a great job with the set design. Like, I loved Brian's Hollywood Hills house. Like, how about, like, wow, wouldn't it be great to have a pool right by your bedroom, you know? (laughs) And then, oh, no, we're back in the 80s and there's shoulder pads and, you know, bad lighting and everything. You know what, though? I like the 60s scene so much that overall, I love... And also just the music editing. Music is great. That was enough where overall I do have a favorable opinion of the movie if I have certain severe reservations. I would would concur, for sure. I thought the sound design was amazing. I listened to it through headphones. And and when he was going, had in the auditory hallucinations, it was great. It was gorgeous. Like the scene where... um, He's getting, there's dinner party and increasing volume of the yes. silver on the plates. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I, I will say they did capture the feeling of anxiety very well. Like there are a couple of different sure. scenes. I mean, they're again, early in the movie, um, he has a panic attack on an airplane and just like the tension building up to it is so visceral. And then, and then again, mm-hmm. during that dinner party when he's um, on the verge of like kind of freaking out again. Yeah, the, the sound of like the clanking um, silverware just that's gets great. like louder and louder and louder until it's like all that's in his brain. And, yeah. and I really enjoyed the recreations of the famous video clips of them in the pool. Yeah. Um, yes. I thought it was really fun and well done. And there's that famous clip of Brian doing surfs up by the piano. Um, it was, it's too bad because the sixties, um, the sixties part was really, really well done. Yeah. I have an idea. I think that we need to convince the director and Paul Dano in just a few years when he's a little bit older to recut <laughs> and recut this movie. I agree. <laughs> it's I know. John Cusack with Paul Dano. It would be so much better. It would be so much better for sure. So much better. It would, it would, it would take away the, the most jarring thing. I know. Just, uh, performance. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we have to write this director who I have never heard of. Yeah, I was. I know. Has he made any? He has other? not made any other movies. He's a he's produced a lot, and he's like the son oh. of like very rich people. Um, and that this person's in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, the I know, son of rich it? people. Uh, I get uh, who gets I get to make a movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else we want to say about the movie before wrapping up? Um, Beach Boys rule. Beach Boys rule. Beach Boys rule. Um, something else I really liked was that sometimes it's very heavy-handed, but '60s Brian just like his process and you know what is it like to be a musical genius who can write music and hear entire orchestrations in your head. And there were again, it was like the sound design a lot of the time, but just kind of like hearing the ideas um, as they're happening in his brain. I thought. The movie did a, a good job. It was that. really well done. Do you know if this did this movie get any awards or nominations? I wonder if the guy who did the sound yeah, or that's a good question. gal who did the sound design got any I, I, recognition. Yeah, you know, I was watching the credits and um, I I like the way that they um, they treated uh, the like the way the re-edited Beach Boy songs as compositions that interpolated things, and uh, those were all assembled by. Atticus Ross, who's mm-hmm. in a lot of things because he's Trent Reznor's partner in Nine Inch Nails and they do all Oh, right, oh. right, of course, yeah. Yeah, he's the other guy in Nine Inch Nails, which must be a really weird <laughs> person. I don't think people realize that, yeah, there's an other yeah. guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not know that name. Um, yeah. uh, substance abuse report? Yeah, Okay. Okay, we got beer. Mixed drinks, cigarettes, LSD, pills, pills, pills. <laughs> that was all of it. Yeah. Yeah, there uh, were, really weren't a lot of drugs in the 60s other than LSD. I actually, I did you guys like the LSD scene? I thought that was well done. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the great shot where you see him seeing if he can wake up his wife with the... Yeah, standing outside and set up. Oh, do we ever get her name too? I think he sort of briefly mentions her, um, Marilyn. Marilyn. Yeah, and um, that was. I will say something that I didn't like love about this movie is that like the women are not oh, yeah. depicted as very real. Like they're just like there in oh. service of Brian, even when he's being a total freak show. Oh yeah, um, exactly. Barely pay, like there's like one scene where they're like. Hmm, maybe Brian's mental illness is making him a bad father. They were like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not gonna explore that, not gonna touch that. No, again, like the whole family dynamics weren't really explored, except for Murray, which was which was well done. Like the mother, where was Audrey? Yeah. She was barely mentioned. And I guess also um Another bone of contention people have with Melinda that actually Carl was really instrumental in getting Eugene Landy out of um, oh, interesting. Out of Brian's life, and it's all Melinda who does it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Which is fine. Yeah, he's is the most stable of, of Beach Boys. 
I know. Well, you have to, it's also a testament to Brian. He's outlived both his brothers, Eugene Landy, who died, I guess, in 2006. So the guy is, you know, he's a fighter. He's really strong. Yeah. Despite everything he's been through. It's pretty, it's actually a pretty amazing story. Yeah. Um, so, um, Evelyn, we've been ranking our, or rating our movies on a scale of one to four La Bambas. Mm -hmm. How, oh, how would you guys, uh, rate this movie? Oh, well, I sort of want to go in Ryan's direction. I mean, the sixties part, you know, three La Bambas, um, John Cusack. I guess if we're going to average, I'll give it, I'll give it three. I'm going to give it three also. If it was just this, if it was just the Paul Dano movie, that would be a hard four. Mm -hmm. And if it was just the, uh, the John Cusack, it would be like a one or one and a half. <laughs> the strength of the, of the 60s stuff. Loved that. Loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I got very... You could give it one Arnold Palmer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like that. Um, yeah, I think um, two, two point five for me. Okay. Three, three mm -hmm. is too positive. Like the again, just the John Cusack stuff is so bad, and it like it it, it is it, really it, bad. It, it hurts like your overall. Um, Good. I'm impression. so I'm so glad you could, you were going to say that because I was actually going to be really negative about John Cusack. <laughs> I'm like, but what if those guys liked it? And I don't want to be, you know. Yeah. The, the 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 you know the the downer but no it was bad i wonder if maybe they needed a name i don't know i was movie. reading something um that the director was saying where he was like yeah people a lot of people are criticizing the choice of john cusack but if you look at 80s brian wilson he actually he did look like john cusack and it's no. like no 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 see but when you were making tea ryan i thought i would think um jeff bridges would have made a good brian i think Jeff is a California guy, you know, kind of has that hair yeah. and the and tall. I think he would have been great. soulful quality that John Cusack would never be able to approach. I think that he'd be able to sell the tragedy a little bit more. Right, instead of just being a mm -hmm. sad puppy dog. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, like like John Cusack's like mental illness face, like when we see uh, Paul Giamatti yelling at him, and he's just like like mouth agape, fixed. Yeah. You know, again, it was so bad. It was Rain Man or, or Mr. Rogers or yeah. something. I don't know what he was trying to do. Yeah. You know, with the simple, soft-spoken, it just... It's always, it, always tough playing a character who struggles with mental illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, any final, final thoughts? Final thoughts is we need another comprehensive Beach Boys movie, I think. Beach Boys movies. Yeah. Cinematic universe. Yeah, I want a Dennis Wilson movie. I think that would be great. More, more. Yeah, I, I want a Dennis Wilson movie. Uh, I want uh, a Blondie Chaplin and Ricky Patino. Yes, I'm so glad you know them because a lot of people don't realize that part of Beach Boy history. And I guess Blondie Blondie was was touring with them. Yeah. Oh, really? And I love, I love that you know the Ruddles too, and Ricky Fatar playing. I had that on DVD, I misplaced it. I, yeah, that would technically not fall under something we could do on this. No. Kathleen, have you seen the Ruddles? I haven't, what, what oh. is it? Oh my God, <laughs> it's, it's a parody, it's a parody of the Beatles. Yeah. And- um, Eric Idle from- Eric Idle and Neil Innes, who sadly just passed away. Yeah. They, but they, what, what, what's brilliant about it is they composed all these Beatles songs, Beatles song, Ruddle songs, but they're so well produced and composed. They stand alone. They're great songs. Uh, I feel cool. good. Yeah, I feel sad. <laughs> I feel happy. I feel bad. Am I love? Oh, man. Yeah. I must be in love. <laughs> We should do, if you guys could do like a, if you do a Ruddles, I'm, can I be on it? Yes. I would just, yes. I would We're talking about expanding the parameters of this podcast to encompass yes. like fake. If you're a huge Beatles fan, it's just, it's really, it's really well done. It's such a fun um, tribute to the Beatles for sure. Cool. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. I'd love to see that. And Ricky Fataras plays the drums. He plays, no, no, he doesn't play Very the drums. Good. He plays the Paul Harrison character. Yes. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I think Ricky Fatar plays the, like, inexplicably, uh, <laughs> the, he's the George Harrison. He's the quiet one and he does not speak. He doesn't speak one <laughs> word. Doesn't say a word. That's awesome. It's so funny. 
It's really, yeah, watch it as soon as you can, Yeah, um, Kathleen. It's great. I'd love to see it. Yeah. Well, Evelyn, thanks so much for- uh, Yeah, this was great. That was so much fun. I feel like I could talk more and more. My oh goodness. my God, no, this was, so this was awesome. I'm glad that we kind of talked a lot of, about real Beach Boys history. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like it was really important to contextualize this movie. <laughs> yes, and I think, you know, anyone who loves, I, I think that's, I think anyone who loves music should love the Beach Boys. Yeah, that's my, yeah. we're talking that's to you, my, Evelyn. My takeaway. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I wasn't going to mention her name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of, God, we called a lot of people out on this, uh, this podcast. I know, I know, I know. You got to get those ratings. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I should, I should mention, I, I don't know if you knew this, Ryan, I actually went to the Hawthorne birthplace of the Beach Boys, which is shown at the end of the movie when he when Melinda drives Brian to the underpass and they have so there's no longer a house but they have a really nice little sort of wall and it's like the four four guys holding a um, a surfboard and they have all their names and everything and so that was like kind of a fun thing to do yeah I smoked yeah. at JFK's birthplace one time in Brooklyn yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talking about birthplaces um uh this is a birthplace podcast <laughs> Yes, there you go. Um, Evelyn, anything you want to like plug or recommend before we wrap up? Plug or recommend? No, I think I've, I think I've said well, the it Ruddles, all. I, I recommend the, I recommend the, recommend the Ruddles to anyone who hasn't seen it. It's a brilliant, brilliant movie. Um, and the music also is amazing. Awesome. I yeah, see that. I think sure. you should watch There Will Be Blood because you get Paul Dano playing not one, but two Paul Danos and, uh, What's his name? The great actor. Oh, Daniel Day Lewis. Thank you. There will be blood. Okay. Yeah. For sure. uh, this movie Definitely. should take advice from that movie by having two Paul Danos instead of <laughs> a Paul Dano. And I think Paul, Paul Dano should have been. I know. Should have done the whole the whole <laughs> two movies. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again, Evelyn. And yeah. Yeah, it was super fun. We'll catch you next time on Rock and Roll Film all Club. Right. Bye.